take our Bibles and turn back to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to finish what the Lord started last Sunday morning. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 16. And then Lord will, if it's His will, next, next Sunday morning, we'll uh, be back on Abraham. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 16. I want to keep encouraging you to continue in your Bible reading plan. You've, uh, if you've done it, you've went two weeks. You went two weeks. And you got 50 more to go. Amen? So, two weeks went by whether you're reading it or not. And uh, if you live to see next year, and if the Lord tarries His coming, a year will pass whether you're reading it or not. So, uh, since time is going to go on no matter what, if, uh, if you're allowed to keep going, I would encourage you to read your Bible this year. Amen? I want to encourage you to do it. You can do it. Uh, we gather together. One of the reasons why the saints gather together is for our encouragement, to encourage each other, to provoke each other unto good works. So I'm provoking you, okay? Uh, I, I, I really encourage you to do it. You can do it. And if you pray about it, and you trust God, and you ask Him to help you do it, I know that greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. And God will give you the power to do it. And some might think, does God really want me to read my Bible? <laughs> That's a rhetorical question, isn't it? You know the answer to that. Yes, absolutely. I, I heard something encouraging this week. Uh, this, this is spreading. Brittany said that her sister, Summer, she grabbed a Bible reading plan. She got one, and she's doing it now. And she's even went ahead and also that people that she works with at a hair salon, they're, they're starting to do it now. And that's what we've been praying for. We want God, we want God to use this church to, to uh, advance His kingdom. And we want the Word of God to increase. And that's how it increases. And so let's pray that continues. So I want to encourage you again. I want to provoke you. Read your Bible. If you start today... You'll have it done by the second week of January. So you can do it. You absolutely can. If you've got an iPhone, uh, you probably get your weekly updates on your screen time. That's convicting, isn't it? It happens on Sunday mornings, too. You notice that? You see that thing, you're like, wow. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is the... Second half of last week's sermon, God gives me a sermon, I'm going to finish it if He wants me to. So this is a sermon about the Bible, from the Bible. Verse 16, if you there say amen, amen. The Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, remember that's God-breathed it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And verse 17 again, a reminder that the Bible, if you read it, if you hear it, if you do it, if you believe it, it'll change your life. And Lord willing, we came here so our lives would be changed. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, that he may mature. 
This applies for the ladies too. That we may mature, that we may grow, that we may be thoroughly, completely furnished unto all good works. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. God, I pray this sermon would be a, would be a core sermon in our lives. That this sermon would be used, Lord, to divert our paths. This sermon, God, that you would use it. That you, Lord, would interact with us. God, that you would right now, please, Lord, take over and empower what is happening right now. Lord, that we would be moved by you. God, that you would move. Lord, that we would be moved to faith, moved to repentance. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that's never been, never been born again, they've never called on your name, they've never, they've never turned in faith to you, Christ, I pray, God, that this morning they would leave here a Christian. God, if I could help them in any way, Lord, please use me to do that. Lord, open our hearts this morning to receive your truth. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Help me, Lord. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So just review Scripture. We took also another text last Sunday morning from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. So your Bible does not come from the imagination of man. But it says, but holy men of God spake as they were moved. They, they was born, they were carried, they were moved along, they were influenced, they were led, controlled, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then our text this morning, again from last Sunday, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The inspiration of God literally means God breathed. And so we've, we've developed a doctrine from this. Now we know what to believe, and the Bible teaches us what to believe. And that we've learned from these two passages that Scripture then, since it's God-breathed, from God, born of God, we've learned three things about our Bible. That Scripture is divine, you remember. That your Bible is a divine book. It is God-breathed. And since it is divine, it is without error, it is without fault. It is without contradiction. And so since it's divine, it is the inerrant, authoritative Word of God. We also learn that since it's God-breathed, that it is, Scripture becomes authoritative because God is sovereign. God is the ruler of the universe. All power is given unto Him in heaven and in earth. He is the Creator God who breathed Scripture into existence. That, what does that mean? Then? It means that your Bible, your Bible is the final authority. That's what it means. Since the sovereign God breathed Scripture, since God inspired Scripture, that the Bible is the final authority over your life, the final authority over human history. That it is the absolute truth in other words. Amen. And so uh, we need to hold the Bible in a higher regard then, don't we? Then the Bible is the, is the authoritative, sacred, divine text of Christianity. So it's not a superficial thing. It's not a sentimental thing then to just cherish our Bible 
because it is a symbol of our faith. It's not just a symbol. It's not an ornament that we carry. The Bible is the final authority over your lives because it's breathed by God and it's therefore divine. And so what else did we learn about the Bible? Since Scripture is God-breathed, we also learn, number three, that Scripture then is God's revelation. And that Scripture is how God reveals Himself to us. That God wants to show you something. God wants you to know something about Him. And God wants you to know something about you. And if we could summarize Scripture very, very quickly, here's what we learned that the Bible has revealed to us. That God is good and holy and just. And that you and I are sinners by nature and sinners by birth. The Bible says that God is good, holy, and just. Therefore, God will punish iniquity because a holy God demands retribution for sinfulness. Then we learn about us, that we are sinners. There's none that doeth good. There's none that seeketh to understand. There is none righteous. There is none good. That's what we learn about us. But God's revelation doesn't stop there, amen? That Jesus is the Logos, remember. He is the divine revelation of God. And Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that through Him all the world might be saved. So we learned in Scripture, God's revelation to us, that we are sinners, we are doomed, but God is just and God is loving. And God can be just in justifying... God can be just in justifying sinners through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, who, who came into the world that He might save sinners from their sins. And that is the basic revelation of Scripture. Amen? That's what God wants us to know through Scripture. And God spends Genesis to Revelation teaching us that. And so what have we discovered already from Scripture? That it's divine, it's the final authority, and it is God's revelation to us. Then we can conclude that the Bible is pretty important, isn't it? But the Bible is necessary for our lives, isn't it? Now, in our text in verse 16 of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, Paul says, all Scripture. So that means Genesis to Revelation. All of it. All of it is by inspiration of God. God breathed. And it is profitable. So the Bible says that all Scripture is profitable. If you connect all Scripture with is profitable, you can conclude that all Scripture is profitable. That means from Genesis to Revelations, it's all profitable. It's all good for you. It's all important to you. And that's why we have a Bible reading plan to finish it in a year. Because we want to get all of it in us. Because the Bible says that it's all profitable. That all of it is important to you. You might even think sometimes it's tempting to think, but what about the begats and the begottens? What about some of the sacrificial practices in the temple described in the book of Leviticus? All of it is profitable, God says. Every single thing in it is for your good and for your edification. And I've shared with you some advice. When you're reading the Bible, don't don't get stressed out because you don't learn or know everything about it at the beginning. Just keep reading it. Just read it and read it and read it. 
And God will bring all things to your remembrance. And God will take His living Word into your life and He'll take the Word that you've read and He'll apply it by the Holy Spirit and he'll, it'll be appropriate in the appropriate season and He'll speak to you through the right time and the right moment and the Holy Ghost will remind you of something you read in Leviticus and it will be profitable unto you. But if you don't read it, it can't profit you. If you don't have it, it's to no benefit for you. And I want to remind you, some people think, well, well, God spoke to me. I want you to be careful here. God only speaks through Scripture. And if the Holy Ghost speaks, the Holy Ghost only speaks scripturally. You'll never have an outside revelation contrary to Scripture from the Holy Ghost. So if you want God to speak to you, then you have to read the Word of God. If you want God to change your life, if you want your God to make a difference in your life, you have to read the Bible. Amen? All Scripture is what? Profitable. It's all good. All of it. Now not only is all Scripture profitable, but then Paul describes in what ways it's profitable. How is Scripture profitable? Number one, Paul says that Scripture is profitable for doctrine. Now, doctrine is instruction, or more specifically, it is instructions in what we believe. So the Bible is profitable in what you know about God. The Bible is profitable in what you know about Christianity. The Bible is the source of all information about doctrinal beliefs about the Christian faith. Now some of you might think, well, I learned that from a song. If it's true, that song learned it from the Bible. The Bible is the source of all that you know about Jesus Christ. The Bible is the source of all that you know about God. The Bible is the source of all that you know about God's creation and about mankind and about prophecy and about what's going to happen in the Middle East. The Bible is profitable for doctrine. It's only through the Bible that we learn that God created the heavens and the earth. It's only from the Bible that we learn that Jesus is virgin born. It's only from the Bible that we learn that He lived a sinless life. It's only from the Bible that we learn that He was crucified on Golgotha. We didn't get that from any other source. It only came from Scripture. Only Scripture teaches us that He was crucified for our sins according to Scripture, Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15 and that He died, and He was buried, and He rose the third day according to Scripture. And then Paul said, then He was seen of the twelve, and then He was seen of Cephas, and then He was seen of five hundred brethren at one time, after He was dead, He was alive. And then He was seen of James, the half-brother of Jesus. And then Paul said, then He was seen of me as an apostle born out of due time. And I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. What is the Bible teaching us? 
It is only through the Bible that we can understand that Jesus died on a cross, died for our sins, was buried in a tomb, arose the third day, and now we have a historical, provable evidence that Jesus Christ arose from the dead through the changed lives of the apostles, through a church per persecutor becoming a missionary and a Christian through Peter who cursed Jesus, now preaches Jesus, who James was a half-brother of Jesus, who was the half-brother of Jesus and was ashamed of Jesus in Matthew chapter 13, who then becomes a Christian only through the testimony that he saw Jesus alive after he was dead. It is the Bible that teaches us all these things. Amen. It is the Bible through the Scripture I, I heard you sing that we're going to walk on a street of gold. Where do we get that? We get that from the book of Revelation. That is not some idea that somebody come up with. That is through the Scripture. Don't you see how profitable the Bible is then? If we didn't have the Bible, we wouldn't know what to believe. I'm glad the Bible teaches us that one of these days, since He went to prepare a place for us, that He will come again and receive us unto Himself. That Jesus said in John 14 through the Holy Scriptures, that in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. We get that from Scripture. How many of you are glad to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord? Aren't you glad of that? How many of you got loved ones over on the other side that are in glory right now. And how many of you rest in hope that one of these days you're going to see them again one day? You know that from what? You know that from Scripture. So the Bible is profitable, isn't it? Isn't it profitable? Isn't it good? I'm glad I was reading over there at the cemetery Thursday Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Where did I get that? I'm glad that God inspired the young king to write down through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that I can read at the graveside of my grandmother that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I was standing over there around all those graves, surrounded by all those tombstones, and I can't help it, I was thinking, Sister Pete, that up from the grave they shall arise. Where the Lord Jesus says, don't you know? Haven't you heard? Don't you remember what Scripture teaches? Do you remember that Jesus said one of these days they're going to hear the voice of the Son of Man? And those that were dead, they will be resurrected. I was thinking about that glorious day that will happen after a while. And where did I get this from? I only, only got it from Scripture. Amen. That's it. Amen. So the Bible is what? Profitable, isn't it? Read your Bible that you may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So then Paul says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine. What we believe. I'm glad that I learned in Scripture. Can I do one more? I'm glad that whosoever believes on Jesus shall be saved 
And I'm glad that no one, no man can pluck those who believe on Jesus out of, Jesus said, my Father's hands. And I'm glad that Jesus said that nobody can take you out of my hand and me and my Father are one. And I'm glad He said, verily, verily, Whosoever heareth my word and believeth on him he sent me shall not come into condemnation. So don't have to worry about that anymore. Shall not come into condemnation, but shall pass from death unto life. I'm glad that Jesus said, Whosoever come to me, I will no wise cast them out, and I will give them everlasting life. I'm glad to know that, aren't you? I'm glad Romans 8.1 says there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm glad the 28th verse of the 8th chapter says that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. I'm glad that through Scripture that a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ gives the believer an awful lot of sanity in a world that seems to be falling apart because He is the author and the finisher of their faith. And He never leaves them nor forsakes them. And He will go with them all the way even until the end of the age. And He will what? He will, he will make their sufferings worth it. And He will present them faultless in His presence with exceeding joy, June 24. And then we get to Revelation where He'll wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor pain. I'm glad that we know that from what? Scripture. It's profitable. But not only is it profitable for doctrine, eternal security, but for reproof. Reproof here, it, it means conviction. That the Bible is profitable for conviction specifically of sin. The Bible is profitable. It teaches us what is wrong with our lives. And this is the number one reason people avoid Scripture. Because the Bible is profitable for reproof. Most people don't want to be reproofed, do they? They don't want to be rebuked. But the Bible is profitable for reproof. And so the Bible is good to read it for a negative experience that shows you what is wrong with you. Now time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but blessed are you if you read it, if you'll endure it, if you'll take it, if you'll embrace it, if you'll say, slay me, Lord. If, if you'll participate in the Bible's reproof over your life, it'll become profitable unto you. And so the Bible is profitable for reproof. It teaches you what is wrong with you. And there's a lot of stuff wrong with us. Amen? There's a lot wrong. There's a bunch wrong with us. And the Bible is profitable so that we might know what is wrong with us. But the good news is the Bible is also profitable, not only for reproof, but for correction. You see that word? That the Bible is profitable for reproof, showing us what is wrong, and also for correction, 
showing us how we can be right. So the Bible is good for what we believe. The Bible is good for showing us what is wrong with me. And the Bible is necessary to fix what is wrong with me. In Psalms 119, verse 71, David said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might know thy statutes. And the only way the Bible can correct us is it has to rebuke us. And when God rebukes us, and if we're humble, and we're repentant, and we're believing, God can correct us. So the Bible teaches us what's wrong, and the Bible teaches us what's right. So if you're reading the Bible and you go, uh-oh, I don't like that about me, if you keep reading it, God will fix it. He'll change it. I've said it a lot. If you want your life to change, it'll start and it'll finish with reading the Bible. I think it was Spurgeon who said that show me a Bible that's fallen apart, that's been used and worn, and I'll show you a life that isn't. If you use your Bible, your life will change for the glory of God. The Bible is profitable for reproof and is connected to correction. Oh no, something's wrong with me. And then we keep reading the Bible. The Bible is profitable for our correction. The Bible fixes what is wrong with me. We got a lot of people who got a lot wrong with them and they don't have the answers to fix the problem in their life. That's the problem. And there's a lot of people and a lot of us are probably dealing with that today. There's a lot wrong with us, but we're not taking the time. Really, it's humility and it's faith believing that God has an absolute voice over our lives. And we fail to understand that the Bible is the divine revelation of God. It is a sacred divine text written by a sovereign God. And therefore, it is the absolute final authority over your lives. So it's a faith problem, isn't it? We don't recognize Scripture as the sacred Word of God, which is the final authority over our lives. So how can the Bible help me? You see the problem? How can God speak to me if we don't recognize that the Bible is the final authority over our lives? It's no wonder it's not profitable to us. It's no wonder it's ineffective. That's why Jesus, when He spoke in parables, He said, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. That's why Jesus said, I speak unto them in parables, lest at any time they hear with their ears and they see with their eyes and they go, and they be converted. People don't regard the Bible as the Word of God. And when you fail to recognize the Bible as the Word of God, you fail to see it as the final authority. And when the Bible stops becoming the final authority, it can't rebuke you and it cannot correct you. The Bible is profitable. For doctrine, what we believe, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The Bible is profitable for reproof, for correction, 
And then lastly, the Bible is profitable for instruction in righteousness. Now what that means is learning to live in conformity to God's will. So the Bible is profitable to teach us to live in conformity to God's will. It's more than a correction of something that's wrong. It's it's more than than a rebuke. What is it? It is teaching you how to live according to the will of God. Maybe I could apply it like this. You're reading the Bible, and the Bible's instructing you somewhere. You haven't arrived at that point in your life yet, maybe, and you receive that, and now you're steering your life according to what the Bible just taught you. You you say, I'm going to go that way. It is It is learning to live in conformity to God's will. I bring this up a lot, but listen, young people. Hayden, you're going to get married one day. I know it's way off, but you will. Here's a good example. Listen, young people, it's so important who you marry. Say amen. I know Avery boys have cooties right now, and they do. You stay away from them. Avery's my daughter, if you don't know. Really, them guys better be perfect. They're going to get to talk, Jason. And it's going to start, I'm not joking, scripturally. The final authority over our lives. You still with me? Now listen, Jason, this will be good advice. You tuck it away. You listening, Jackson? Okay. You tuck it away. You remind him, Mama. You're going... The Bible teaches, 1 Corinthians... Chapter 7, so here we go again, yes, because this is one of the greatest debacles of modern relationships. We're marrying the wrong people. Okay. Would you agree, adults, it is a huge problem, isn't it? It's huge. You might not know it, you're going to live with this person. You're going to have to agree on finances, raising kids, where you're going to live, how you're going to talk, what you're going to believe, what, how your kids are going to dress, what who's going to be their friends. It's like when, when God made the human family from the, from the building blocks he, he really wanted us to understand how to do it because it is hugely important. And where do we get this? Because Scripture is profitable for what we believe. And it's the final authority over our lives. And would you agree with this? And if you don't, you're wrong. God knows more than you do. No matter how you feel, no matter what you think, no matter what your ideas are, you are not divine. God knows more than you do. Here's something we learned when we were little. The Bible is an acronym. If I can get it right, if I don't look foolish, if I don't. The Bible 
is basic instructions before leaving earth. And I know that's rather elementary, but it does kind of encompass the truth, doesn't it? Okay, young people, listen to me. It matters who you marry. Now, what's the application before we get away? The application is we're dealing with instruction in righteousness or how to live in conformity to God's will. How do I know how to live a godly life? The Bible is profitable for instruction in righteousness. The Bible is profitable for instruction teaching you how to live righteously. Living according to the will of God. Living according to the conformity of God's will. Okay, this is all based off this premise that God knows more than you do. Okay. If you don't think that, a fool has said in his heart there is no God. And there's a way that seems right to you, but the end thereof is the ways of death, destruction, misery, crying, bankruptcy, heartache, pain, anguish, frustration, etc., That's destruction. Listen, young people. Say, say it. I know I'm getting there. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says, Marry in the Lord. Okay? Scripture says, Paul said, What fellowship does light have with darkness? Marry in the Lord. What does it mean? It means basically, listen, Nathan, Avery, Madison... Wailing too. It, listen, listen. here's what's interesting about it. Some might think, well, some of these children are awful young. But if we don't start teaching them now, the world has already begun teaching them. The world starts teaching them before you take the notion that you're going to teach them. It means marry a believer. This is just an example. Marry a Christian. Marry someone who loves Jesus Christ. Marry someone. This is huge. I wish there were 20,000 singles in here. What's amazing about Scripture, it don't even have to be eloquent. It is the Word of God. It don't have to be fancy. I don't even have to say it fancy. I don't have to put a spin on it. I don't have to dress it up. I don't have to make it look interesting. I don't have to... No! Listen! God says, marry a believer. You know, it's like one of the biggest... Well, the most important steps in the human life, isn't it? We could use other examples. You want to do some? The Bible says that uh, we should uh, lay aside the works of darkness. Because if you don't, your life will be terrible. The Bible teaches us, and it's profitable, for instruction in righteousness. Last thing, in the book of James, James chapter number 1 I want to leave you with this. James chapter 1, which is huge, because if we don't know this, then everything's been for nothing. 
James chapter 1, verse 21. Here's what the Bible, the final authority over our lives, is teaching us about this sermon. James chapter 1, verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. Even that. Do that. <laughs> Who said? God said to do it. It's profitable that you do it. Lay aside, lay apart all filthiness. And here's an old English word. And superfluidity. What is that? That, that means an overflowing of naughtiness or wickedness. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. So God says to you, get rid of that out of your life. And receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. So there's, there's a rebuke. Do you see it? There's a, there's a reproof. Hey, lay aside, lay apart all filthiness and superfluidity, overflowing of naughtiness or wickedness out of your life. There's a, there's a reproof. Here's the correction. And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So receive, lay aside all the wickedness out of your life and then receive the word of God which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, and I'm closing. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Deceiving your own selves, it means that some of us think that just doing what we just did is keeping the word. I listened to it. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I appreciate what this is. No, if that is all you think the Bible is, you have deceived yourself. The Bible is to be applied to your life. The Bible is to hear it, receive it, and apply it to your life. And only then is it profitable. Like the advice that God said, the rule, hey, you young people, don't be dating unbelievers, don't marry unbelievers. If they're not a believer, don't date them. There'd be no point. Why would you date anybody that you couldn't even possibly marry one day anyway? You're wasting your time. The hookup culture is destroying young people's lives. Amen. And God says, hey, you marry, you marry a believer. So you do that and watch God bless your life. That's just an example. There's a thousand more in there. Do what God says and watch your life change. Amen? Watch it. Let's stand to our feet. Absolutely, Ruth. Amen. Amen. Number one important question, isn't it? Absolutely. Amen. You know, old Brittany, she's the most blessed lady on earth. You know it? She's... <laughs> Jokes aside. It's the other way around. Here's what I don't have to worry about. Here's what I don't have to worry about. I don't, I don't have to worry about where my wife is. I don't, worry, I don't have to worry about what she's teaching my kids. I don't have to say Sunday night. I don't have to say, hey, uh, you know, tomorrow's Sunday. Are you coming? I don't have to do that. I don't have to worry about that. I married the right person. 
I prayed when I was single. I prayed. I remember it. I was still living at home with my mother and my father. I was fixing to move out. I was saving my money. The Bible also says, young people, consider the ant, thou sluggard, and learn of her ways. She's busy. She's saving all summer long because the winter's coming. That's another lesson for another time. Believe it. Amen. Do it. And I remember I prayed. I took John 16. But if I pray anything according to His will, He'll give it to me. And I prayed for a godly woman. I prayed for details. You know, you can do that. You know, sometimes you think, how do I know the will of God for my life? You know, there's a lot of details that are, that are nuanced. There's a lot of things that are, that are personal choice. But there's certain things that are without question. Like you might not like brunettes. You might not like blondes. You might know, but you better be with a believer. Amen. Then if you want a believing blonde, then go for it. But is she a believer? And I prayed that night that God would give me what he said was the will of God according to my life from Scripture. He said, I don't believe it. That's what I did. I'm telling you my testimony. I'm telling you what happened to me. I'm telling you what I sought after. And where did I get that from? How did I know what to believe? How do I know what to pray? How did I know what to seek? How did I know what to desire? Because it is recorded in Scripture. Now, a saved person has fellowship with the Word because they're begotten by the Word and they're kept by the Word and they're sanctified by the Word. And if you're saved, how do you know that you know Him? You keep His commandments. You want His Word in your life. You want to live in conformity to it. You've submitted yourself under His Lordship and you're saying, I want to participate in your plan for my life. Which is an excellent segue into this. This morning, if you don't have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He is the only way to God. He is the revealed truth of God. He is the Word of God that became flesh. And if you want meaning and purpose and a direction and forgiveness of sins and a bright future and everlasting life and a meaningful life with reason and logic and power through His Spirit, then repent today and believe the gospel. Jesus died for your sins. He arose from the dead the third day. You can call upon His name because He's alive and He's ever living. And if you'll submit under His Lordship today and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, save me. Lord, become my Savior. You'll find in Him life. And abundant life and life everlasting. And more important than anything else I've said, that is the Word of God and the will of God for your life. And if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, when we start playing this song, I'd love for you to come here, take me by the hand and say, Josh, I want to become a Christian. And then we can talk to Jesus about it. Amen? Amen. And if you'll come to Him, He'll in no wise cast you out. Amen? But a Christian wants to do the will and word of God. It is profitable. Amen? I'm, I'm through after this one, I promise. We all want to know the will of God for our lives. The more Scripture you read, the more God's will is revealed to your life. You don't have to guess no more. 
You read Scripture, you hear it, you do it, and God blesses. Amen? If there's a need this morning, you come. What song are we going to sing, Bryson? 157. All Scripture is profitable. All of it is profitable.